Action Park Media. Welcome to Victory the Podcast. I'm Kevin Dillon. He says Doug's doesn't know who he is. No, 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 no. This is not Doug's fault. We're not doing that anymore. You haven't been around we're not in a little doing while. That anymore. Just, I think why well, I, 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 just... I don't think we have to like all say our names opening every show. Why I not? Think, I mean, I guess we could. I just By the way, Dylan's. You guys can't change things without talking to me. This the way is... Dylan came in there was amazing, by the way, because he really didn't even uh, he didn't uh, give I it a chance. You, I to thought sit. you forgot or something. <laughs> he did give us a look like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with How you? Don't you know who you are? So Connolly thinks we're like well enough that known that we don't need to say Well, no. I mean, not everyone. I don't Some think people haven't seen that. Entourage that listen to this. Yeah, I, I don't. All right. All right. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we take a little I'm something say, off at performance. I'm going to say no. Let's start over again. Let's start over. Welcome on, to Victory the Podcast. I'm Douglas Reed Ellen. I'm, I'm Ke- Kevin Brady. Hey, what are you doing, Kevin? Kevin? Why are you <laughs> stepping on my toes? I go away for a week and you guys like take, take over. Three, take this three. is Douglas Reed Ellen with Victory the Podcast. <laughs> Kevin Brady Dillon. And I'm Kevin Connolly. What's your middle name? Thomas. Why Kevin Thomas Conway. What are you embarrassed of? Don't be embarrassed of Thomas. Kevin Thomas Thomas. It's got a great ring to it. It's got <laughs> great. A great All right, so we name. keep the names. Clearly, we're keeping the names. All right, know. so Kevin Dillon's back. He hasn't been around for a while because the guy is. Uh, am I wrong, Dillon? You've done more movies this year than any year in the last. You're on a five in, in my life. So this is a big year, and and I got nothing in the beginning because of COVID. So it's been like. And do a you think the podcast has months. anything to do with that? No. No. <laughs> I think it's purely my acting skills are getting me all these things. Very long resume. I, that wish, he's been I hope everyone gets to watch this on YouTube, and I hope his camera <laughs> angle is good. I don't even see a camera on, don't He's so fucking funny. I yeah. mean, even when I'm mad at him that he leaves us for weeks at a time, uh, I still can't. Hey. I can't hold a grudge because he's so funny. And I'm an actor. That's you know, what I do. All I get. How many DMs a week do you get? Kevin Dillon must be the greatest guy on the planet Earth. I want to just have a drink. You're so sour and jealous. Yes. Listen to him. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm willing to admit DMs I'm where? sour and jealous about Instagram. it. <laughs> well, on your Instagram. This is on the Hollywood Ways account. Nobody <laughs> ever accused you of being so sweet and nice. They never say it. They never say it. It's true. You're I absolutely why. right. By the so, way, great guest today. Jamie Lynn Singh yeah. is coming up. Yeah. Uh, that, that's going to be fun. Who's a friend and uh, was a 13-episode arc on the show. Which, I got questions. All right, good. I'm excited for that. So, but let's talk to Kevin Dillon. You just were on this. You were on a movie that they shot fast. How was that? Seven days, bro. It that, was rough. That's nuts. So you and shot am, a movie in seven days. And I am number one on the call sheet. I know that's because you sent me a I had to send it to Kevin Connolly because he's rubbed it in my face for Many 10 years. years that he was number one on the call sheet. Connolly, you ever been number one on the call sheet besides Entourage? Uh, yeah. Hell no. Uh, yeah, f- of course I have. Yeah, maybe times. a big wheel commercial. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. I've been number one on the call sheet lots of times. Lots of times, you guys on fire. Uh, I mean, it's good to have you know. On how's, how's my trouble? The fact that I had lots Mel Gibson in the movie and I was still number one on the call sheet was kind of cool. How yeah, does that, he gave you that? He gave well, that. yeah, he did, but I was the lead. I mean, there's no way around it. Okay, you're the lead, but Mel, 100%. Mel has to say, oh, Kevin could have that. That's fine, right? I mean, I'm asking a I guess, serious question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, is that an agent negotiated thing or how? Well, he worked three days. I worked seven, and that's <laughs> I worked every day, and that's why. That's why you're number one. On the call sheet, and also we I, we joke around, but that's why I was number one on the call sheet on Entourage because I worked <laughs> Sorry, dude, I, I worked the most days in the pilot. It's a computer program, so whoever works the most gets that number. So because you worked more than him, now they probably had to clear with him. Like, are you cool with this, right? You don't want to get Mel angry, by the way. Uh, Mel doesn't care. <laughs> I also noticed that they um, used your initials, so it's KD and MG. yes, maybe that had yeah. He goes, well, all right, I'll let him be number one on the call sheet, but just put her initials up there, right? <laughs> so have you ever had. Uh, I did think about that too. Right. Everyone else had their full. Did name you have some there. scenes with Mel? Yeah. How yeah. how did Tons that of go? Scenes. Great. And you at so you're doing like and again for everyone who's listening out there who's not in the entertainment business, three and a half pages a day is a lot for a real yes. movie. Like a studio yes. movie is probably three and a half four. Pages Entourage because of the way we shot, we we sometimes did seven to nine pages, which is yes. really a lot. But and that was tight. That was a big deal to do eight that was pages. Tight. Yeah. Is big. But when you bring a movie star on, Mel Gibson, Kevin Dillon, and you say here's sixteen pages for the day, that that's a lot. So dude, there's. 
I, I did two page, two days of 20 plus pages. So uh, in two days in a row, we did, we did 42 pages of dialogue with two actors involved. It was tough, man. It really What's was. What's kind of shocking for me, if I, I'm telling you right now, if I, who, we're going to talk to Jamie Lynn a, a little bit about how we were all friends on the show, which whether that was a mistake or not, which David Chase was a little more standoffish. And, but you would have killed me if I handed you 20 pages and said, this is tomorrow. You would have killed me. Yeah, I would have been, I would have been pretty shocked by that, but I knew going into this, it was going to be tough. Right. You got to know. So going in. I, I knew going in, I still didn't expect like a 22 page day. That's and when psychotic. I saw that and I started flipping through the script, I went, went, Oh my God, I really almost had a panic. Attack. I'm sure. I'm sure. So are you in the hotel room? I, just, I did my homework. I just worked really hard. So like, but you're finishing what? 14 hour day. I mean, I no, no, the actually, they weren't, they weren't that bad. The days weren't that bad. I didn't get force called at all. Minimal takes. We, what they did was they would run scenes together, So, I, which, which is tricky because you, you learn them to be separate, and they just kept the camera running, and they would do four scenes in a row together. Oh, my God. This it was sounds tough, nuts. bro. Look at Conley's face it right was now. so hard. I would uh, be looking at my words and going, they're ruining my words. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> this is insane. The, the crazy part is, like, that's kind of where movies are going. I mean, seven yeah. is extreme, but, you know, to hear these movies 12. Well, the director was great, too. James Bressack. James, who's great. And uh, I, yeah, he was he so, was amazing. But, young director, twenty nine years old. He's really cool. I'm gonna get him on the podcast. He's, all right. he's really all right. Cool so, guy. but you, when you're getting off the set, I'd like to talk to a director that can shoot twenty two pages in a day. Dude, he's amazing. This guy's really and he, and his direction was real good. But when you're getting off the set after a long day, whatever it was, even if it was twelve hours, are you going right to your room and going, I got to learn tomorrow. I got to work on yes. This? And by yourself? Well, no, I, I would still go out to dinner every night. You still with have, some with you have some bevies. You I would mean. have a couple beers and then right. go to sleep, but no more than two. Right. Uh, so, and Mel, too. I had dinner with Mel every night. He's, he's great. What are the chances of getting Mel on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he would do it. I don't right. know if he would do he's it. He's just but, a private guy. He's just not. Yeah. He's got nothing to say. He's got a lot to say, bro. He is super smart. Yeah, you know what? I, I could, I could try. I mean, I'll yeah, try. A long shot. Yeah, I ask yeah, him. Yeah. The worst thing he says is, "Go fuck." Yeah, yourself. I, I, yeah. Some, right. some people go. Oh, I don't do podcasts. Right. right. Yeah. And I can't be nasty, right? Because it's you know, no. it's your friends with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just gonna say, just don't tell them I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, well, bygones be bygones. So, uh, all right. Well, you're back. We're excited. We're going live to Long Island on November 20th. Are you nervous? Because Connolly and I are actually we're trying to structure it out almost like a like a theatrical play where you're really doing most of the work. What do you think of that? Guy? I don't like that too much. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. We're going to have a little structure to it. But by the way, you I, are. I, I kind of like just, you know, just going out there free and just having fun. But whatever you guys want to do, you know. I just think we got to have a little more structure for a 1,200 seat uh, arena. Right. What was your thought when I sent you that text message about those shows getting canceled? Poor Chester. Uh, I was a little I was a little surprised by that. I right. thought it's uh, too early. And, uh, nobody buys tickets that far in advance. Gary Clark Jr. sold up. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, it's that it's just I, I, like I said, it's hard to promote one show. But yeah, pr promoting that's three, true. Promoting three shows. Yeah, uh, I mean, the know. only one we did we have promoted was Long Island. So right. of course, the other ones. You know, were... Look, the reality is, and we're all we're all modest, self-deprecating guys, despite what anybody might say about us. The truth is, we have a very successful podcast. At the same time, it's you need millions of people to go just waltz out and sell out. 4,000 tickets in a weekend. It's just very, it's, it's not that easy. And it's, right. a, it's a big conversion. Even by the way, the amount of people who love entourage that's still on what used to be my, when my Instagram was around that would say, Oh man, I'm obsessed with entourage. And I would say, how about the podcast? And they'd say, Oh, I haven't had a chance yet. So even like yeah. my followers and your followers, it takes time to get them to go. What is a podcast? And then what is a live podcast? Well, that's that's to me the, the tricky thing. Like what is a live podcast? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It's, but it's, well, what we're going to do just so everyone knows, and hopefully you will come, we are going to have a great time. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff that we talk about on the podcast, but new things that we're going to shed light on and our relationships and things that behind the scenes that have happened and some of our, our fights and some of our great it's moments. Gonna fun, it's it's going to be it's a lot be of fun. fun. Yeah. It's time's going to fly by and then we'll be, then we'll be part. Yeah. Of so, yeah. um, all right, we're going to have Jamie Lynn Singler on, but before that, I just, uh, I need you guys to know, cause I need yeah, a little tell me, sympathy. Tell me I'm, I'm going under the knife again tonight. Well, um, today. Yeah. Today. Because I saw wow. pictures of you at an event the other day yeah. and I thought your hair looked pretty fucking awesome. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. What, what, so what by gives? the way, what so gives? a couple of things there, I was at, 
Forrest Whitaker's charity event. Do you know Forrest? Yeah, I know Forrest. I mean, Platoon, bro. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Forrest know each other yeah. 30 years, bro. So way back. Forrest Whitaker Academy Award winner and uh, one of my favorite movies, Fast Times at Ridge Run High, among obviously a million other things he's yes. done. But we went to Last his charity King of event. Scotland. Last King of Scotland, yeah. of course. But Color of Money? Wow, that. that's yeah. that's a good call. A bunch of stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, Forrest is amazing, but his charity is incredible. Like Forrest, like, you know, I mean, you met him one time. I took a Forrest. picture with him. Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> we'll call him. Sir Forrest Whitaker. I, I, Sir. I got a picture with him, and I did say, hey, Forrest, uh, you know, I, I don't take a lot of pictures without a hat on, so uh, maybe you'd uh, do me the honor of taking the picture. And he was like, what are you saying to me? Like, what's happening? Did you tell him, like, this is I try to tell, I, I honestly, I try to engage with Forrest a little. Uh, I don't think he was that interested in well, me or my story. He's probably a little overwhelmed. It's his event. There's yeah. a lot going on. And by the way, the, the the charity, which everyone should just look up, is incredible, and I'm not trying to sell people on depressing issues, but he does this charity that goes to conflict zones all over the world and helps kids from child soldiers and and really helps them get their lives better and helps make peace in those areas. It's, it's nice. incredible, and I feel like none of us are doing anything. We did our Movember, which Movember's here. Are we doing Movember? Yeah, we're, you know. We but, gotta do something. Well, well here's the thing. Are you guys gonna grow mustaches again? Or? Yeah, the problem is like I, I, don't, I don't have the bandwidth to push anymore. We're pushing for the Long Island. It's like, oh, by the way, donate money to my mustache. And by then the way, donate and then make all sure you, you Long Islanders know that Connolly, like he's a little people. beaten. When I walked in this morning, he just, I'm like, are you all right? He's like, I just, I just want to, I just want to sell everything. I just want to sell everything. So like, I'm feeling a tremendous amount of pressure. So, but Connolly is going to deliver. And really, you know, Dylan, who doesn't seem to feel any pressure is going to deliver as well. So come see that. But anyway, I'm going under the knife. So I just want you guys to know if anything happens to me, I want you to tell people. What do you tell, tell us what you're doing? Cause so, I, what do you mean under the knife? Connolly was asking about the hair, which Dr. Zeering did, which is, I'm eight months in, and it really is. It's What, are you going to get a facelift now? Or, <laughs> I mean, what is going on here? You getting a tummy tucked uh, on? What are you doing over there? Implants. You, so need some you asked implants. how the hair was, and there were people at the charity event who listened to the podcast. They like, good hair, right? No, they were like, oh my God, the hair's amazing. Now, Raysa, who does all of our hair and did the show's hair, she does my hair, she adds a little bit of magic. Again, my hair is but not... a little magic, you mean like... Little you know, powder. Like, little powder. Little powder. It's, it's, so a, it's basically these black fibers that when your hair's a little thin, they they go in and maybe they you saw Rud- Rudolph Giuliani sweaty sweating <laughs> right. it off. It's right. something like that. Right. Yeah, but I'm nowhere near Rudolph Giuliani, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so I'm telling you, so these these fibers, they go in and they stop light from hitting your head. So basically uh, what so they you don't see the space between the hair. Makes yeah, sense. you don't see it if you have any. And again, but could you do it decent? Because eight months, I know I it, there's it's definitely working a little bit. Without, no, no, it's working without, a without ton. that stuff. I can do it. You could pull it off, right? I, I could pull it off much better than ninety percent of humanity, and Jesus. people would not say anything. <laughs> but your own insecurities—they lead. When a light hits you hard, all of a sudden you see a little. And charity events yeah, have like yeah, yeah. hot lights. You know, yeah. you step through the wrong spot and far oh, yeah. goes. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Look at this guy. And oh, that's really yeah. a sad thing because I did. I spent a lot of time at this charity event. Talk. I'm not joking. Talking to men who were asking me about their hair, and they were all going, <laughs> "Dude, your hair's fucking amazing. Is my hair gonna look like that?" And I. I should just say thank you, but I do say I had a little help, but my hair is Stop infinitely you had better. Help, because it's it's fine. You didn't have help. You, but had, you had a hair person do your hair. That's I had it. a hair person do my hair. But anyway, what I'm saying is after 12 months when this thing is fully in and then what I'm doing today is it's basically like it's like a tattoo on my head that just darkens my scalp a little bit. OK, it's so a, wait, a, there's no knife involved then. But it's like one of those laser guns. Like okay. you're getting a tattoo on your head. I guess, sort of, yeah. Like well, a temporary it's called tattoo. Like a tattoo is a needle. So you get it. Is that what it is? Like a needle? I, 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 you know, yes. what? I don't yes. ask too many questions just because I just want my fucking hair back. I'll do anything. It's gonna do that. It's gonna do that thing, and it's gonna put it on your head, so that will be in place of the dust. Uh, that will be that a place will block the, the light. Yeah, no that will block powder. the light. Yeah, no more powder. I'm hoping no more powder. But Raysa, who does my hair all the time, she freaked out. And she she's, said it's great. She's telling all her clients, and 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 I'm not trying to sell anything about Dr. Zeering. You can call him or you can call someone in your local area. But I'm telling you, for all the men that are embarrassed about this, which also was the thing I was going to talk about, most people don't give a shit. Most people aren't looking at other people's heads and going, but when you have it, which Conley doesn't know, so we cannot relate to this. He's got a thick head. He's got a thick head, but he's young too. He's still 45. Just wait. Give him, give him another oh, yeah. tenure. No, you're saying like when you, if you feel insecure about something, then yeah. you're insecure about it. Yeah. It's really about your own. It really does feel. not right. matter what anybody says to me. And even the slightest amount of light, when I see that weakness between a hair thing, I fucking lose my mind. <laughs> it's I go it's, home like, it's like the sun oh breaking God. through a window. It's like, what? Oh, like, totally sun, like light beam ripping through your head when really nobody else sees it. 100%. 
remember blinded by his baldness. <laughs> and I can tell you, I would not have walked up to Forrest Whitaker as confidently as I did if I had a baseball hat on at this event and felt like I'm fucking hiding something. Hey, Forrest loves you in fast times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a good buddy of Kevin Dillon's. <laughs> I, I did say of course that. You did and, you? Of course. Yeah, I threw out a couple of things because I was trying to get him for the podcast. And I was like, listen, Forrest, I don't want to be I want to be too much. Did you of a really bother, make a run at him? hundred percent. And uh, I think he looked at me like I was out of my mind. But I said, which is what I did with Matt Damon when we got him on Entourage. I said, Forrest, we'll talk about your charity the entire time. Right. I, it doesn't matter to me. And I would because his charity is amazing and he's amazing. So uh, anyway, we got another amazing person coming on right now, unless you have something. Well, I, I, I want to say, what's the recovery like? Are you going to be in pain and grouchy tonight? Uh, <laughs> I certainly hope not because I got a lot of stuff going on this week. So I have no plan. Well, you didn't recovery. ask. I mean, is it like, are you? I didn't are ask you, anything. They are you said, back with a hat for an extended period of time? Are they you, just told me there was something else I could do that would help. And you're me. like, say no more. Yeah, I exactly. will be there. Yeah, I, I will, will go through whatever I have to take. You know, I have, I have really do have meetings and a dinner tomorrow and a lot of shit going on. But stain my head. I'm do more, whatever you I'm have more to do. curious about this than I was about the first run. Yeah, I've never even just, heard of this. I'm just curious as to what a. I mean, dude, I, I got to imagine you're gonna have a bit of a headache. You're gonna be yes, a little banged that's up. Hurt. You're gonna I, maybe maybe even a, any tattoo hurts. That's what I'm saying. You're I mean, you guys, you guys. Are so what happens when you're old and gray and you got like black underneath your gray hair? <laughs> well, that's just look weird. How long does it last? I don't. I, I mean, it's gonna make my my scalp a little darker. Right? It kind of makes it look like you have um, uh, stubble. A little bit. So it just yeah, yeah. fills it in. I, I don't fucking know. Listen, well, I'm, I'm curious as hell. Please keep it I have two edibles in my pocket. I'm going to <laughs> eat them, and I'm going to let Dr. Zeering work his magic. And I don't give there a shit go. what he does to give me my fucking hair back. It's all I want. Has Dr. God. Zeering, and, and again, Doug, you and I have been talking about this forever because I, I know <laughs> that you're not selling for yeah. for gain. No, uh, no. You just, if you believe in it or you like it, you talk about it. Yes. Has Dr. Zeering said, Doug, I got to tell you, man, I appreciate it. Right? Yes. Like, yes, he has. Cool. He has, he has, he has. I mean, the endorsement. I've, I've sent at least 15 people to go really? to Really? All of them so far are happy as hell. Nobody's had any weird I got to imagine things. his head tattoos on the arm, yeah. right? So he, he was, he was, <laughs> don't know, man. he was very like, I, nice. would, I would expect that's it how, to be. How, that, this one is on the And Dr. Zeering yeah. did, he did, he did gift me the, uh, the laser cap. So, uh, Oh, that's a know. real gem. Yeah, it's called so. the laser cap. You yeah. Yeah. I wear it every day. Do you still oh, wear laser. it? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay so you're still different. doing everything that you need to do. You're smart. Oh, I'll do this for the rest of my life. Like, and by the way, I saw it before. Do you wear the laser cap? Explain the laser cap. You put something on your head yeah kind of like have you seen back to the future yes remember christopher lloyd wore that shit on his head very similar to that dylan you know what the bike helmets look like like (laughs) cyclist helmets it's like that but it like shoots and that helps your hair grow yes like a laser again last time i'm gonna say it i saw because it was my eight month checkup the other day and i saw which i wasn't even you know like Colin was like your hair's not that bad but when you get fully under a Light, which is what they do at the office to really right. show you, show, show you how you before you, after, show you how is bold you really are. Wow. <laughs> I was fucking miserably. Depressed. Oh, that first day, that yeah. first time. I, oh, well, okay. not the first time. So, Seeing it now, even eight months ago, I was like, I can't believe that. So you're that was So you saw the before and after, and you've gotten a lot of growth. It's. Amazing. Game changer. Wow. I wish wow. I knew about it earlier. You know, I learned about this from Conley on this podcast because I didn't know about it. He said he I, outed some people, I, which I don't know. I had a buddy that I said the same thing about Dr. Zeering. He was so happy with Dr. Zeering that you would think he worked for Dr. Zeering. He would <laughs> stand on the corner and hand <laughs> out flyers. Yeah, but you also said that Tom Brady did it, which I still don't know if that's true. I just, no. I just saw that. Uh, that. That's just like internet memes. I don't know. I All didn't I can out tell anybody. You is I didn't out Tom Every Brady time Brady there. takes his helmet off in the games, I get really upset. I would rather his hair than his Super Bowl wins. I'm not kidding. Right. True story. Well, you, you might have that. I'm hoping. You're going to have I'm that hoping. hair. Don't oh, you I thought you meant the it. Super Bowl rings. All right, we'll be back with Jamie Lynn Siegler. Welcome back. Victory the Podcast. And I'm excited. One of our special guests. Yeah, one of our favorite yes. guests, to be honest, that we all Aww. became friends with. And that, I don't know, uh, Jamie Lynn Siegler was supposed to do one episode and then somehow did like, I don't even know, 20? 13? Like I, I just got so lucky. You just kept letting me hang around. Yeah. 13 episodes. She did 13. No, we got lucky. But what's That's going on, Jamie? How yeah. are you? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm living in Austin, Texas. You fled Hollywood. Is, I love. I fled. Did the part of the mass Texas that yeah. a lot 
lot of people yeah. left for. That's the new Hollywood. Um, and how is I it going guess, there? You know, it's pretty. I mean, my kids love it. We actually we have so much more space, so much more land. Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved here with a lot of friends. So we kind of cheated, you know, like right. we moved with a community. So it wasn't as hard as maybe a normal move can be. But I don't know. It's different. It's it's cool. It's an adventure. I think after COVID, like a lot of people and you know, we were kind of reevaluating our lives, what made us happy and wanted to change. Well, LA is a mess for sure. So uh, it feels like it's just mismanaged right it's, now. It's mismanaged. You know, yeah. right. maybe we should do a community move. The three of us move yeah. together to I'm Austin. Ready. You I'm guys ready. go. I'll catch I'm up. Austin. I'll catch it's up. Pretty cool <laughs> here. You'll meet us there. I'll catch up with you over there. Jamie would lose <laughs> her mind if Kevin Dillon moved in next door to her. You would. You would. Have I would <laughs> in a good way. How many acres do you have? Maybe you're just moving we with live, you guys. No, Kev, we live on a golf course. <laughs> oh my God, I'm there. Look how excited he is. So literally after school, we'll put my older one in the in the cart and we go and we play almost every day oh that's awesome i didn't know you played are you yeah. good i mean no but it's fun <laughs> nobody's it fun be amazing if jamie i'm good you, how dare you the two kevins of jamie out jamie i have a question <laughs> how how is for so many years right as a you know as an actor you have to be in new york or la right so how yeah. has it affected if at all and what's the process like with in terms of uh, your acting and, career, meetings. Is yeah. It, how does that work? Well, you know, other than Entourage and like one other show that I did a season of, I really didn't work in LA that much. I was always in Vancouver or Atlanta. Right. So I think, and also too, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like I always thought, oh, when I get to a certain level of my career, I'll move somewhere remote and just pop in for work. And I think I got to this point where I was like, what the fuck am I waiting for? Like, I just, mm-hmm. I want to do it now. And as soon as I moved here, I'm working in New Mexico right nice. now. I was just right. there. So Where? You were? Yeah, I was in, in Las Albu- Cruces. Like, oh, and we're in Albuquerque. And what really? are you working on? On a show called Big Sky on ABC. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I've been working there for the past couple of months. And it's like, you know, it's an hour and a half flight from here. It's not bad. But I don't know. You know, as an actor, you always have to be ready to possibly move like mm-hmm. your life. So I think just knowing that we were always going to maybe have to do that anyway, we would rather have our home base be somewhere that we both wanted. And it really, it really is true. I mean, when you think about it, aside from entourage, 90% of acting jobs are somewhere else anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a question of getting the job. So is it zoom calls, self tapes that, that, is that the the drill with? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I was still living in LA last year, I booked a pilot off zoom. Right. So yeah. I mean, I mean they're really not doing now. that much casting in person still. No. It's still mostly Zoom stuff. So. I, there's no reason for it. I guess. I like to see the people live, but right. I don't know. I mean, I, I do. I think when you get down to like the wire, maybe I do miss like being in a room with a director and like getting, you know, there's there's something about, you know, that vibe. But I mean, I guess you can kind of feel it over Zoom. I don't know. Well, the good thing is that you could work it until you, you're happy. You know, you could do the tape and, and just do it 20 times until you love it. I agree. My husband and I are like on the brink of divorce every time he tries to help me do a self. Oh, by the way, join the club. Join the club. I mean, Jamie, my girlfriend's an actor as well, and there's nothing worse. First of all, I mean, she asked me to help. She asked for an opinion, and as soon as I give it to her, she basically tells me to like fuck off. So it's yeah. I mean, we've had ten fights. I go, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I mean, it's yeah. And and it's like, look, am I? Are you asking for my help? Are you asking for my opinion, or am I just a camera guy? Because I can be the camera guy. (laughs) But if you're asking my opinion, don't get mad if I give it. All right. Yeah. We could do it but I said you don't even so need a camera guy. Everybody says the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to be a tripod, though. It's I, bad I, for relationships. You're also doing podcasting, though, Jamie. You're trying to take us yeah. down. So how's that going? Are you enjoying it? I, yeah. Well, I started doing this podcast called Mama Said a couple of years ago, which was like about parenting after I had my second son. Um, you know, just talking about like a real honest, you know, honesty about parenting and how it's amazing. And it goes without said you love your kids, but it's really fucking hard. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's not the best, you know. Now he's oh six weeks in, Connolly, and he's I'm complaining. Not six months in, but it's cha- it's it's challenging. It's all those it's things. Simply. It's amazing, but there are it does come. With some I have my 18 year old home, who's not supposed to be home, and that's challenging. I became an empty nester, and then I'm right back in it, just when I thought I was out. So it, it's it's tough. So wow. but, 18. But hopefully, Connolly will listen to your podcast so he can get some some advice on it. But I'm here for you, Connolly. Whatever you, you need. Thank you. So Jamie, let's just go back a little bit though. So I yes. mean, obviously, you know, you. 
were on two iconic HBO shows. That's right. He said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Iconic. <laughs> yes. You know, it's one, two. No one can decide whether it's Sopranos or Entourage. One and one A. One and one A. But so, obviously, our, I think, maybe the three of us, it's my favorite show of all time, The Me Sopranos. Yeah. And um, I don't know if Dylan's ever seen it, to be of honest. Of course I have. Of course I love Sopranos. I love Sopranos. So, can you, I know you've talked about it a lot, but tell us, for yeah. our listeners, how did that all come about when you were a kid? Yeah. When I was a kid? Yeah, well, you got, I mean, you were a kid when you got on Sopranos, so oh, how did that yeah. come about? Yeah. Okay, so I grew up on Long Island. Yeah! Uh, doing, you know <laughs> Woo! Uh, doing musical theater. Like, all I had, like, connections with was, like, community theater. So it was, like, the Plaza Playhouse and Old Beth Page, you know? And, like, if you really made it, like, you could do, like, Grey Wig at Hofstra. <laughs> so I was, like, in all the productions of Annie and Fiddler on the Roof and everything that I could do as a kid because I really loved it. And then as I got older, um, like, I found an agent. I got started doing some summer stock, some little things here and there. Got a manager. Every once in a while would get to take the, tr- you know, the Long Island Railroad to the city to go on, like, an open call audition. But, you know, pretty, it still was, in public school in Jericho and living a pretty normal life. Um, And then when I was around 16, I remember getting super frustrated because there weren't many teenage roles in musical theater. I wasn't like getting to do anything. So I wanted to go to sleepaway camp like every other kid finally. Like I never got to go. I was going to be a CIT at Camp Pontiac. I went like, to Pontiac. To you did? Yes, I did. I didn't know that. West well, Copac, New York. I was about to go. Yeah. My nephew and my niece go there now. Anyway, so yeah, the Etras. I was like ready to go. And I got a call from my manager being like, there's this show <laughs> on HBO. And at the time, HBO was the movie channel, right? Like nope. other than maybe they had like that show Dream On. Do you remember that show? I do Dream remember on? that show. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even Arliss, like, but at that point Arliss. it was movies. Yeah. At that exactly. point it was movies. Yeah. But it felt like these like quirky comedies, like not really anything else. And so it was a, a show um, called The Sopranos. They're looking for a 16 year old Italian looking like New York, New Jersey girl. That was it. That's the only information I got. I got the sides. It was the scene from the pilot where Carmela and Meadow are arguing where Meadow wants to go to Aspen with her friend Hunter and she wasn't yep. going to let her go. So because of the title, I've said this a hundred times, so apologies if you heard it, but I assumed it was musical. <laughs> that would make and sense. I, I mean, that's not right? that crazy. So my first audition was, we went to the city. It was just with George Ann Walken and Sheila Jaffe. And I read my scene who obviously you guys know, she yep. passed mm-hmm. on Drush. And then went home to my answering machine, this is taking how far it's back, where there was a message from my manager, you need to go back again tomorrow because the creator would like to watch you read. So this was for David Chase. Um, And so I went and did the same thing again. And I honestly really wanted to go to camp and I didn't (laughs) give a... like I didn't give a fuck that's about how you get jobs. That's, that's how you, you get jobs. That's yeah, how no Dylan can. got this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got entourage. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't have fuck. an attitude, but I was just kind of like, oh, I know how to fight with my mom. I'll leave this scene, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I was called back again, and then now I started getting like a little attached. I'd never gotten close to anything like this in my life. Um, and then screen test at HBO. And got the part and unpacked my bags and uh, stayed home and shot the pilot. And when you got it, did you feel, I mean, I don't know if you were doing uh, any scenes with with James or, or, I hadn't or met Edie. It yet. Okay, so, but from no. just reading the script, did you feel like there's something, whoa, this is kind of special? Or, or what? No. You- I mean, I knew it was cool. I knew my friends would think it was cool right. that I was in like a mafia show. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like you're, you're 15, 16 at that time. Like, these are the things that you care about. I hadn't really like been exposed to anything to like judge it against. Right. Um, But I remember when I got to the read through, you know, sitting down and seeing Jim and Lorraine and all these people, I'm like, oh, like there's some like big time people here. Like I recognize all these people. (laughs) They weren't household names yet, but you're like, I've seen these people in movies and things, but it's still, it still felt like this isn't going to be anything because Honestly, that was the attitude in general. I think David Chase, you know, it's kind of who he is, where he was like, nobody's going to ever want this. Like, don't <laughs> right. expect anything kind of attitude. But I had, I never expected to be part of something like that. I was a kid from Long Island. I was like lucky maybe if I would be in the chorus on Broadway. Like, that was my dream. Like, I didn't think I'd ever be a part of anything like that. So honestly, until our first trip to the Emmys, 
it, <laughs> it, it never, like it, it didn't click that I was part of something like that. And how much did life change? Were you, so you, are you still in high school when this is airing? Yes. Yes. So my senior year of high school is when the first, the first season started airing. And then were you I mean, being I tutored? Like, were you being tutored on, on no. the set? No set. Tutor? Yeah. Yeah. They had a tutor. I was my senior year. I was kind of an <laughs> asshole. Like I would, I like barely did my work. I was already had gotten into college. So, but, you know, I wasn't, re- I was kind of cheating, but my mom had to be on set with me because I wasn't yeah. 18 yet, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I don't know. I mean, it was little things here and there. Like I moved into the dorms in NYU and was like walking around my first day introducing and like the guy next to me in his room had a Sopranos poster. And I was like, (laughs) wait a minute. You know, like there was little things that slowly would happen where felt like life was a little bit different. But one of the cool things about Sopranos was it was really everybody's job. And then they went home. There really wasn't much Hollywoodness about it. Like, you know, there was no social media then there was barely paparazzi. Then it was a different time then too. And just, these were all like super New York actors. Like nobody was hanging out really after like they, this was their day job. And then they had their life when they went home. And I kind of took that cue. And I mean, other than, you know, getting to like cut the lines at clubs and things like that, <laughs> nothing really felt different really? until I moved to LA, I right. guess. Yeah. Even your high school kids, not everybody had HBO back then, even though it was a huge show. It it still was the HBO market. So you talk about, yeah, you don't really care. You're like, all right, I'm just going to go in and and do it and then go to camp. At what point is it your managers or your agents that are like, Jamie, you got to start locking in. This is the real deal. Was it them that was selling it to you as, hey, Keep your eye, uh, keep your eye on the ball here. This is this this is big. How? how- uh, I I think it was I think it was everybody. I think it, like when you feel that momentum, when you're like they want you back, they want you back, and then there's more and more people in the room each time you go, and there's less and less people in the waiting room when you go. Like you mm-hmm. feel you feel like oh I'm this is a possibility. Like I you start caring a little bit more. Um, I remember like the week before my screen test, they told me I was too tan, <laughs> so I had to like I was like putting like retin-A all over my face, trying to like (laughs) lighten it up, like wearing long sleeves. Like I started to really care. And of course, by the screen test, it was just me and another girl and I wanted it. Do you remember the call when you got it? Yes, I was in my mother's bathroom, like, I don't know, doing my hair or something. And she just ran in. She had my manager at the time on the phone and I just, I couldn't believe it. Again, I never thought anything like that would happen to me. And what was it like working with David Chase? I mean, you, you hear these things that he's just kind of a quiet guy and kind of keeps to himself. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. give Doug a hard time, uh, obviously, for lots of different things. I don't things. keep to myself. But Doug, Doug, <laughs> well, was, Doug was always, you know, available. Like, well, for better or worse, you know, Doug could... Doug had many times said, if this was on The Sopranos, you would be dead. Doug threatened to, <laughs> to kill, kill me. Well, kill me I, I what was to, it like? I have to say that, though, because Entourage was the first show I worked on. I will answer your question, but first show I worked on after Sopranos... And I remember saying like to Jerry, like, oh my gosh, you guys have like a real relationship with Doug. This is awesome. So Doug, I want to give you credit because I think that that I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really special that you were always there to like hear your actors and talk what, I don't know how the conversation would turn out in the end, but like you always made yourself available and I really appreciated that. Um, but for, for better or worse, he's always there. <laughs> I mean, it's not always going to work out. I believe that was a big part of the success of the show was Doug's sort of availability with the actors. Yeah. But enough pumping Doug's tires. <laughs> Let's talk about okay, the well, real I'll man, answer your question. David Chase. <laughs> so David, um, I mean, David's just like, you know, he. it's like he almost he shy? Like he doesn't have time for bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's no time to really, time like, why it. are we going to waste our time to like say anything to you? <laughs> but when he, when he did, de- when he did say something, it mattered. And every once in a while, now I'm talking maybe five, maybe six times throughout the entire series, I would get a phone call to tell me that I was, that I did a nice job on a scene or an episode or something. And that like meant the world. I mean, it was everything you know, he, he wasn't down on the set. A lot of the time he was, you know, up in his office and that was his process. And that's who he is. Like he's, he's just, he, he wasn't that guy. And, you know, for that reason, me being like the only young girl on the set and, you know, super insecure, especially like that's the time of a girl's life when she is like, I've always just assumed he hated me. Like I just didn't. Wow. Like I mean, I feel like everybody says that. 
I feel like everybody says that they felt like. I feel like he's smarter, though, because he was withholding love from you guys, and then you get praise. Like, I had to call Connolly every night and tell him how great he was. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> yeah, showing right. up every day. But Wait. was he just kind of shy, Jamie? Is that it? Or just like, I just don't have time to shy. sit around and shoot the shit about the game last night with the guys? That's more. Yeah, I just was. don't think that's who he is. I mean, like, I've I've seen him laugh. I've seen him have, like, he has friends. He has like, emotions. He, like, he laughs yeah. and he has friends. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan, yeah, just you should not try me. sometime. Uh, maybe I I could get a friend. And then, Jamie, you hear the stories about, um, you know, obviously it's a mob show. People inevitably are going to get knocked off. Obviously, I don't think it was a, a, a worry for you, but how was it for a lot of the cast members? How did that, how does it go down when, how do you notify a cast member that, hey, listen, you, you may want to, you know, do a shot yeah. of uh, vodka before you read this next script. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, there was, there's a, a phone call that's made prior oh, that he makes, <laughs> like the Grim Reaper type call. But, God, I'm nauseous. You know, I I think I think certain characters could feel things coming. I mean, I remember Sirico was always freaking out. <laughs> always, always, always. Um, you know, I do remember one time we so we were supposed to finish, I think, on season six. And then they all called us into a room to say, OK, we're going to do like a season six A and B. Like, I don't know how. It, oh, it yeah, we did that on Entourage got, like, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. So they call called us to her room to tell us that as if like we were going to need any convincing. But there was somebody in that room that shouldn't have been. And I do remember hearing that David was super pissed who dropped the ball because that person was supposed to be killed off (laughs) and was in the room like, you know what I mean? So what's he doing here? What's he doing here? Get him out of here. Vinny story probably. (laughs) Jamie, who was it though? No. Uh, Federico. I I, I don't know. It wasn't Federico. (laughs) I actually don't even know if this person was killed off. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. (laughs) You have not watched the whole show yet. I just started watching it for the first time in quarantine. I've made it to season five. You know, I think it's a lot of reasons. Um, I I think personally, because of Jim, like I was going to feel like I was going to have a really hard time watching him. Um, And when I was younger, when it was airing, I so self-critical. I just, I felt like I'm not going to enjoy it. Everybody loves this show so much. I need to find a time when I'm going to be able to have enough time pass that I can step away and not dissect my performance and actually enjoy It's like Connolly. Connolly's the Jamie, same way. I'm the same way. He I, will not watch himself. I just now am able to watch episodes of Entourage and enjoy really? it and step back because I was always the same way. It just did, wasn't doing me any yeah. and Every premiere, he would be favors. in the bar. Yeah, the minute the, 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 minute the, the lights premiere. went down, I was I was out the door. So, so I, I, wow, I hear I didn't you. Know that. So, but yeah. Jamie, now watching it, because it's interesting for me, like because of this podcast, I haven't watched Entourage in years. And now going back, I can watch it almost like I wasn't involved. So when you're watching this show, which again, I think is one of the great shows in the history of TV. I mean, it's Sopranos and The Wire are but, probably the two great. But how does it play? How has it been playing to you when you were in quarantine watching? Oh, it? I like, I love it. I, I remember being like, I get it. I get it. I right. get why people loved the show. Uh, I really have been able to just enjoy it as an audience member. And I mean, the performances, I, I mean, I was right there. I knew how amazing everybody was, but it's, you forget so much yeah. that I, it feels like I'm watching it and learning about everything for the first time and appreciating everybody on an even deeper level than I already did. And, and Jamie, as you know, like Long Island, uh, the show takes place in Jersey, but we know my neighborhood certainly was a lot of mobsters and a lot of this. Yeah. And that's why the show was so incredibly realistic. And I knew girls who were essentially a version of, of you in high school. Wow. Um, and it brings me to Entourage because I don't remember 100% how it came about, but I do think it was my idea. We were looking for who would be a good relationship for Turtle. And I was like, I don't remember if it was because of the Rob Camaletti thing who dated Cher. He was like the bagel guy. But I was like, the assistants or the guys that are hanging out in the crew, they sometimes all of a sudden end up with a beautiful yeah, celebrity girlfriend. all the time. <laughs> but Sandra the, Bullock dated like a, a key grip for off one of her movies for years. Yeah, it happens. I didn't know that. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts married a camera operator. Married the camera operator. He's now a DP. Camera operator no longer. He is a director of photography now. Yeah. But, he was going places. <laughs> but but Jamie, I, I don't know if we ever spoke about this, but the fight that went on in the writer's room, I, I don't know what the animosity was, and I won't throw out any. Well, names. these guys have a lot of animosity towards each other anyway. Nothing to, so. nothing to do with me. I said, I said, what if we got Jamie Lynn Siegler to do this? And was and I remember someone Turtle could never get her. All right, it was Weiss. It was Weiss. Let's <laughs> yeah. we all know. Weiss will cop to it. Weiss will cop to it. And I was like, and I actually thought. 
that, th- no, this is exactly what would be great. This was a- exactly would be this great chemistry. And I'm just trying to remember. So maybe you could fill in some of those details yeah. when we came to you and said, we want you to, cause it's always awkward when someone wants you to play themselves. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you have any hangups about yourself playing yourself? No, because I didn't feel like I was like I was right. playing like really. this yeah. character of right. who you guys like created me to be. Mm-hmm. And that was so fun. And honestly, I'm so grateful for the experience for so many reasons. But one in particular, you know, like leaving Sopranos, you're kind of have that double edged sword, right? You're like, when am I not going to be meadow? Mm-hmm. When am I when are people going to be able to see me as something different? So to like, be on the same channel, (laughs) you know, with a lot of probably the same audience and take this like baby step away from Meadow. We're like, yeah, we still talk about her. She's real. It exists, but this is Jamie, the girl that played her. It was a really amazing gift you gave me to like transition out of that. And for like, people to kind of accept me as something else. Dylan's still um, waiting for a gift. <laughs> I've climbed out of it, Connolly. You better get out of your hole. I quit acting a long time ago, bro. But it was. It was just like the, the cool. And I was such, I mean, Entourage was my favorite show. And I, anytime we were at any of the HBO parties, Doug, I mean, like, I feel like I would always be like, please, I want to be on the show. Like <laughs> wow. totally lame, probably like every celebrity. Maybe that's how it happened but, though. Maybe that's what well, happened. And But I don't think the HBO wanted me to until Sopranos was done. Um, but yeah, you, you and I had a phone conversation where you kind of explained the episode and you're like, all right, bear with me, but like, <laughs> you're going to jerk turtle off on a plane. <laughs> and then I think at the time it was like, and you get super pissed. And I think maybe we were even talking about me like breaking a window in his car or something. <laughs> and it was supposed to be like one off. Like I was a crazy bitch. Right. And then I then. Yeah. And then I remember you saying, like, do you want to hang around for a couple of more? And then it turned into, yeah, the 13 that I got to do. Now, I just want to because the world is so fucking crazy now. I just want to make sure everyone knows <laughs> that, that you explain how um, how obviously embarrassed I was to have that conversation with you. you and were. it wasn't you like were. <laughs> so and you, you were, were so great and made it made it easy. But I do remember it's just like there was a natural chemistry with you and all of us, you know, and it just yes. became instantly we were friends and obviously you and Jerry got along. So, you know, um, those are to me like it's so hard for me because that's how I've always liked to work. It's hard for me to imagine those sets like you're talking about with the Sopranos where there's not like everybody's kind of best friends, even though people are probably talking shit about some people behind their back and right. maybe me. But whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it like, yes, it really I, helped I, Entourage, I think. For sure. People ask me still to this day, like, what was it like to work on Entourage? And I'll say as fun as you had watching it was as fun as it was to make it Mm -hmm. truly like you guys, first of all, were so welcoming to me, which meant the world because it's, 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 you're still nervous, like step onto somebody else's set and like, that's so established. And you guys, you did, you had a great time. I mean, you were like throwing the football between takes. There was (laughs) never, everything was steady cam. It was quick. It was easy. It was fun. It was LA. It was that was LA's heyday too. Like that was the time, like the vibe of this show was what LA, as I had just moved there. It's like what it felt like. Yeah. It would be a different world now when the earth cafe is yeah. overrun with homeless people. Yeah, just- there's, a, there's a homeless encampment in the, uh, <laughs> oh right in God. front of earth cafe where the boys used to sit. <laughs> uh, Jamie, jump, jumping, jumping back real quick to, I want we get back to entourage, but with regards to the Sopranos, a couple of things. When, when, when the finale happens, right? We all know all the, that went on with the finale. How much did yeah. you know and how much were you getting pressured even from people close to you? Oh, come on. You could tell me. Well, like, you know, what was what was the what was the restrictions like? I always wonder about that on a lot of things. Like it's it's hard to keep yeah. a secret like that. So what was that like for you? The last bit of episodes, whatever, or six or eight, um, we were no longer given scripts. Hmm. We were given numbered pages with your name watermarked all over it. Wow. <laughs> um, like sides were heavily looked over and shredded. redacted. <laughs> yeah, heavily redacted. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I think it kind of went without saying. Like I don't remember any specific instructions, <laughs> like shut your mouth. But I think it kind of went without saying. But you know, the ending. I remember all all this feeling like, ah, you know, like okay, this is how it's going to end. It was, it wasn't, I didn't know how it was going to be, you know, crafted 
with, with the editing and with the shortcut to black and any of that, like you didn't feel the tension when you were reading it by any means. So you knew the family was sitting at the diner and that was going to be the end. And it's up to the audience to decide how they feel what happened. Well, Well, so how do you feel? David just, David just did an interview where I, apparently he confirmed that he died. Uh, yeah, I, I just heard that recently. But so, Jamie, I, I'm in my best friend's house in Philadelphia, where the New York Times has told me they want to hear my response the second the show ends. OK, I love the show. It's my fucking favorite show. Oh, I am God, so excited. Shoot your mouth off today. Of course I didn't, because <laughs> I didn't know what happened. We were in a house full of people and the TV went black. Everyone went nuts. People were getting up yeah. and banging the TV, yelling at people. They didn't pay his cable bill. When you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I am That's telling you, though, when, and again, everybody can debate what they thought of it and in in as it ages we'll see how it ages but it ages pretty well i like now again i think it ended perfectly that that's fine i'm not debating it but i'm saying when you're sitting with 20 people and everyone thinks the tv's broken everybody was nobody enjoyed the experience but when i spoke to the new york times i was like greatest thing i've ever seen in my life what a legend (laughs) oh my god why did i come up with that (laughs) (laughs) but i I now watching it now knowing it's coming it has a different feel to it and it has a real tension to it and you know it was a choice that is uh, brave and, and insane at the same time. You know, I was going to kill Vince at one point, which probably wouldn't have had the same impact. But uh, also, um, uh, side note, I don't even know if you guys know this. My Uncle Pat. Now, why my Uncle Pat? I remember Pat? Uncle Pat. My Uncle Pat, I like my dad uh, had two brothers. My Uncle Tommy, my Uncle Pat was the truck driver that comes in. We did some diner. drinking with Uncle Pat at yeah. the uh, premieres. He's probably still there drinking. <laughs> he had a battle at some he's of those premieres. Still, he was, he's probably, he was still, awesome. probably still there drinking. But my Uncle Pat was the truck driver that comes in and is like one of the suspects. One of the suspects. A little fun fact. Uh, oh, a, really? That is a very yes. fun fact. And he, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had to, he got called in. He had to audition. for. He didn't have any lines. They basically made him come in and David Chase had him walk around the room. That's amazing. And he's like, I don't know. And then they called him. He got the job. So my Uncle Pat, my That's father's so brother, like was a suspect in and, the and little- killing of Tony Spratt. And other fun fact, I want to ask you a little bit about him. I did a pilot with with Michael Imperioli, who, um, present company excluded, I said is literally one of the greatest actors I've ever worked with. Just yeah. in the six to eight days that I got to work with him, so what? Uh, wow. And and seemingly, I I don't know him well. A great guy. What was it like working? The greatest, with Michael? the greatest. He was like my big brother on that set in very many ways. Like you know, as I was kind of as the show progressed, I started to like care about acting more. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, the of course. Craft of acting, Dylan's and, like, getting there. Like, oh, <laughs> what is this? What is this thing you guys are all doing? You know, um, and he was just a guy that um, like always gave me the time, always gave me, you know, like made be very present with me. I remember one of the first episodes that he ever wrote, he was at Video Village and like I did this scene and he came up to me after and he's like, Jamie, you're fucking funny. I need you to know that like for the rest of the career, you're fucking funny. And I was like, I am. That's Thank awesome. you. Like, Oh, cool. Like he's just that guy. And still to this day, I mean, anytime I see him just makes me so happy. Um, yeah. The experience you had with him. I'm so glad to hear. He had a leader vibe, right? Obviously we know that Gandolfini was like the real leader, right? The, the yeah. commander in chief, so to speak. But you feel like, uh, like Imperioli was uh, right, was not far behind in terms of leadership, correct? Correct. I think strictly because of his talent. Like, I don't think he right. necessarily walks in a room like I'm the guy, but he has so much talent that he's naturally somebody that you're going to like look to. He was sure. actually, when I worked with him, he was very, um, he's so nice, but very quiet and then when the camera goes you just like he could do anything they were actually i had a really hard time casting a role in that show and uh there were two roles and he could have played either of them and i kept going back and forth of of which one wow. he would be right for and then range. and then why couldn't i find someone as good as him for either of it to get a right. fourth guy but uh he's amazing it's a so, serious i saw him off broadway and he was just amazing he's too. a legit amazing actor. yeah when i see you it brings back a lot of memories you also look amazing yeah. jamie by you the look way. great you look fantastic oh that's so nice yeah. of you guys you know see two kids later Connolly, you'll be okay yeah <laughs> you're gonna, be, there. You're gonna there. still stand up straight no but honestly talking to you guys you're bringing back so many memories that's truly one of my my most favorite working experiences of my life uh, was working on Entourage. I adore all of you guys, and I just had the best time. Well, thank, thank you, you so Jamie. much. That's sweet. Look at Dylan's. Well, Dylan's <laughs> moved to emotion. Dylan claimed he was going to be fun. All right, I got some emotion. I mean it. I mean it. No, I, you, guys I, I, are, you guys are the best. Yeah. I feel really lucky that I got to be part of 
you know, that world. And when you sure. think about, I mean, you and Emmanuel are friends, right? Isn't it amazing yeah. sort of the bond that, that, that the women of Entourage kind of had and still uh, are friends to this day, right? Totally. And by the way, even Jerry and I, I mean, he's got two little boys. I have to, we, we DM and talk about parenting now. It's just so nice, like, you know, to have this relationship. You guys were all like the real deal as far as actors, but also people. You know, don't say too much. Kevin's choked up. Somebody get this guy. <laughs> Give me a hand hand tissue. I, need, I, need he hasn't had I also think Jamie said I was an actor, which I really like, <laughs> you know, from my limited, <laughs> limited experience. Well, Jamie, we can't thank you enough. Everybody, oh, everybody uh, check out her podcast and Blue Sky. I gotta, I gotta big watch. Big Sky, Big Sky, Sky. Sorry, Sky. Sorry, ABC. Sorry, sorry. That's network. That's network stuff. Oh, is that yeah. is that Ryan Philippe? Am I crazy or no? Yes, he is Ryan in it. Philippi. David Kelly, Ryan Philippe. <laughs> you want to get the season. name right, bro? Sorry. <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> in the business anymore, Jamie. Hello? I used to say, God. I used to say that too. I feel it must be like Long Island. By the way, when we first moved to LA, we used to go to Dan Tana's every Thursday night to see him and his like boy squad eating there. Oh, that's so I was funny. At Dan Tana's last night. Yeah, Kylie was just there ripping his cheese off his chicken parmesan. Jamie, right, right. let's ask Jamie. It's like, is that weird, Jamie? He Kylie orders chicken parmesan. He won't order it without the cheese, and then rips off the cheese and I puts it on a cheese. on a side plate. Anyway, I just she's your shocked. On that. Do you she's shocked. Do you eat the cheese? That. No, no, he doesn't no, no, eat he the cheese. Scrapes it off. He throws it in the garbage. Do you think basically. that because they make it with the cheese, it like adds soaks in the yeah. oil? Kind of you cook it at that heat. Sure, you get the sure, flavor. Sure. He's juice. He's trying to you know Jamie, who played a, a real authentic Italian. Uh, come on, you don't feel that. Even though, by the way, chicken parmesan isn't even really Italian. Can you imagine David Chase me sitting at a scene? I mean, how could it not be Italian? I think it's more American than. Not have good Italian, but. I like Dantana's. We have a couple of good Italians now. It's grown a little bit, but yeah, Connolly wants to pitch that to Gordon Ramsay about how to cook proper chicken parmesan <laughs> and then rip the cheese. Imagine out. doing just... like a dinner table food scene on The Sopranos, and Dave, David Chase come out of his office for that one. You don't <laughs> scrape the cheese on that. Doing that <laughs> a on lot that of food. But I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, um, we'll check on it. I don't think it's an authentic Italian dish. I think it's an American interpretation. But anyway, I could be wrong. But Jamie, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, we're going to come visit you in Austin if your Bahamas yeah. trip gets canceled. We hey. need you <laughs> November twentieth. <laughs> Uh, uh, Paramount Theater in Long Island, but I'll let you know if it does. You're awesome, and uh, we will check out your podcast for sure. Thank you so Thank much, you, Jamie. Bye, Jamie. Bye, Bye guys. Jamie. Good to see you. See you. Well, that was great. I mean, I do. I Dylan's emotional, but I get emotional. <laughs> She's I, great. I really do. I get emotional seeing this because we were, we really all were friends, and that's just all I know. So when I hear about other sets that weren't like that, it's always strange to me because I, I don't know. I guess it's it just shows how special that this was. Entourage was just so great. It was so much fun, and everyone. That comes on has something great to say about it, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, she was a great guest, and uh, she's just, I don't know, she just looks great. She's just done really well for herself. Proud of Jamie. And uh, she's on net, she's a network show, bro. Network dollars. Yeah, yeah. Looking good. Dylan's bitter. A little bitter. <laughs> I'm a little sour. Uh, that wraps right. up another episode of Victory the Podcast, November 20th, Long Island. Please yes. get your tickets today. Even my Westchester brethren, you guys could come on out too. 